You are now listening to the Hack My Age podcast, the show that brings you guests for biohacking women over 50. I'm your host, Zora Benamou, a gerontologist, digital nomad, certified sports nutrition, and breathing coach. I'm the author of the Longevity Master Plan, the cookbook, Eating for Longevity, and a new upcoming energy reboot program for women over 50. Now, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and I would really appreciate it if you could please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find us too. This is a really small but very critical gesture that makes a huge impact for me to support a podcast for older women, help us grow stronger, get our voice out there, and attract even more amazing guests to the show for you and for me. Hey. I have a confession to make. I use my computer and phone before bed. I know, I know it's not what we're supposed to do, but I've got a hack for that. It's called blue blocking glasses. So ever since I hosted light expert Rudy Nassif, who created Viva Rays and who taught us about light nutrition, I understood that we need to feed our bodies light and darkness to optimize our health. I wear my glasses starting when the sun goes down, and I wear them when I have the lights on the kitchen, when I'm making dinner, and while I'm using my computer or phone at night. And the reason I wear them is to protect my melatonin production so that I can fall asleep and stay asleep all night. These glasses play a big role in hacking my sleep, and everyone knows I get the best sleep scores. Now, Viva Rays makes the best blue blocking glasses I've ever had, Plus, you always comment on me wearing them in my stories, telling me they look really cool. Now, I noticed that Viva Rays are different than the cheapo Amazon ones I first had. First, they're like three glasses in one because they have these magnetic clip-ons of orange and red in addition to the yellow. Next, most blue blocking glasses block out either too much light or not enough. And finally, they're made in an optic lab, so you can get reader bifocal and progressive lenses. Oh, and and they're ethically made with sustainable materials. And this was an important feature for Rudy. Now, I love my glasses so much, I reached out to Rudy and asked if he would like to sponsor the podcast. So here we are. And Rudy is also offering a generous 15% discount for you. So go to Viva Rays and use the code Zora. Now let's start the show. You can now watch all of our podcast interviews on the Hack My Age YouTube channel. Some of our guests bring slideshows, so it's really great to have. Every week there is a new video, so just search Hack My Age on YouTube.com or find the link on the Hack My Age website. Today's podcast is very different than what we normally do. We usually interview doctors and researchers or experts in the field of aging and menopause, but Today, we are having a casual conversation with somebody who I find so inspiring in her own experience with chronic pain. And we're meeting Kelly Canueto, and we have actually met years ago at an event of a mutual friend in Spain, but we never developed a friendship until now. Many of you know I am always hacking hip issues, mostly limited range of motion from osteoarthritis. And I'm always searching for solutions outside of surgery, not only for myself, but for many of you too. So one day when I was talking to our mutual friend, she told me to go back to Kelly to hear her incredible story of chronic pain. And Kelly, she's from the UK. She's 52 years old and lives in the South of Spain. In her twenties, she started uh, to have chronic pain, which developed into chronic fatigue syndrome, which is also known as fibromyalgia. And she lived with all this pain and suffering for 18 years. Now, six years ago, she found her way out of it without medication and is now running races and leading a very active and full life. She's literally catching up on the last 18 years at full speed. So now without further ado, meet Kelly Conuetto. Welcome. Hello. What, uh, what can I tell you about my story? What would you like to know? Oh, so much. I mean, when we talked, I was like, for the first time, I said, I wish I had this recorded already because it was such a great story that I I decided I had to have you on the podcast because you have so much valuable information as well. So I'm really, really glad we reconnected. And um, after I called you and and heard your story and and all the resources that you shared with me, I said, I'm going to, we're going to 
put this all in writing as well in the show notes on, on top of the podcast. So let's start from the get beginning. When did you first start experiencing pain? And when did you realize that this was a chronic condition? So my journey with pain started after a go-karting accident. I managed to spin off into the barriers and have what's commonly known as a whiplash injury. My neck was very stiff. It was very sore. And after a few weeks of kind of struggling to be able to like drive without, you know, turning my head to the sore range of motion, my brother recommended an osteopath. So I started to see the osteopath and that made it feel a bit better. And I saw several different osteopaths and chiropractors over the years, and they each seemed to have a different opinion on what was wrong. First of all, they said, oh, whiplash injuries are really difficult to recover from. So that's not great to hear. And then they'd come up with different kind of underlying reasons, like my neck was too straight, or my lower back was too curvy, or one leg was, you know, a centimeter longer than the other, or my feet were too flat, my knees were kind of, you know, not in the right position. You know, I was just out of alignment. So I had all these different diagnoses. And I started to just feel like my body was broken. And there was really not much hope of getting better. But I just had to keep living life, keep working, keep, you know, functioning as best I could. But I was spending a lot of money on being treated by osteopaths, massage therapists. I was trying, you know, yoga, uh, meditation, Chinese herbal medicine, you know, reflexology, you name it, I tried it. And I wasn't really getting any better. In fact, I seemed to be getting worse. I was starting to experience chronic headaches, like pretty much most afternoons a headache would come on and probably two or three days of the week, it would be a full-blown migraine. It was quite challenging, but I'm very much a very determined person. I just soldiered on. And if I got a migraine at work, I would put my yoga mat down in the storeroom shut the door, block out all the lights. And an hour later, I'd be back at my desk, cracking on with work. So looking back at it now, I think these were all signals that perhaps my life was too stressful. But at the time, I just thought I've had an injury, I've now got this pain, and I can't get rid of it. Despite, you know, having an ergonomic chair, a telephone, a headset like you're wearing now, all of these things to try to get me in the right position. And it was all down to my posture was wrong. I was holding my head in the wrong position. It was, you know, the list of gadgets and treatments I was trying just never ended. I didn't really realize there was a difference between acute pain and chronic pain until much later in the story. But what I found out, the definition of chronic pain is that it's a pain that doesn't resolve six months after an injury. They'd call pain for three months is acute pain, pain three months to six months is subacute pain. Then after that, it's turned into chronic pain. So if your pain has been around for more than six months, there is a very, very good chance that the site of the injury is actually healed and that the problem is that the brain has forgotten to switch off the signal for you. So it's still giving you the pain long after an injury has healed. It's still restricting the motion long after an injury has healed. And this was where I found myself stuck in this loop, but without the knowledge to know that that was what was happening or how to get out of it. You probably hit past that six month uh, point and said, okay, this is now chronic pain. Is it because you read you read something or you, you just got fed up and you're like, what in the world's going on? It's not going away after a couple of years. Like, when did that happen? Well, it wasn't really until I, I discovered the Dr. Sano book that I realized the difference between, you know, acute pain and chronic pain. Okay. I didn't really realize there was a, there was a, a difference between them, but that's how doctors will diagnose it as, as acute, subacute or chronic. So I just thought I'd had an injury and people were telling me I would be stuck with this pain forever. 
because my neck was the wrong shape or my lower back was the wrong shape and I tried all sorts of different you know physiotherapy nothing made it stop so this is an interesting I think a lot of people can resonate with this when you're trying to solve a problem I certainly am one of those I have clear diagnosis of you know I've been, I've been told oh you need hip surgery and I'm I'm like I don't, I'm not convinced yet of that you on the other hand had the x-rays were not showing any kind of degradation or anything until much later on in the game. And that to me is mind blowing as well. How you can go into a doctor and say, you know, I I have this pain, but yet they don't see anything, right? Is that correct? Yeah, it's correct. When I first started experiencing the pain and and was sent off for x-rays and then MRI scans later, they couldn't really find anything wrong but I had this excruciating pain. 10 years later, you know, I was still going on and, well, no, it was probably, yeah, no, probably was 10 years later that I had a follow-up set of MRI scans done. And that's when the doctor told me, you've got disc degeneration and that's the reason for your pain. You'll never be out of pain. The only- When the doctors say that. Yeah, the only... when they say that because you believe it, right? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. Um, and that you know, the only hope for me was being on steroids for the rest of my life. I mean, I tried all of the painkillers there were, you know, even like you know, Valium, like opioid type ones, didn't really cure the pain at all. I just felt very spaced out. And you know, I tried antidepressants because the doctors are always convinced that anything wrong with a woman can be solved with an antidepressant. It seems. <laughs> um, but the very first, the very first part of Dr. Sano's book really was so enlightening for me because, as a medical doctor who studied at the Rusk Institute in New York, specialising in patients with chronic pain, over the years he'd seen so many people who had been told the same thing, that they'd never be cured of pain, that had been operated on, but the operation hadn't worked. You know, he really dealt with the most extreme and most hopeless cases that nobody else could cure. And he really was kind of such a pioneer at the time, kind of deviating from the model of we scan it, we find if there's something wrong, and then we operate, and that's the way we cure it. And he started to notice that even people without pain, when they had MRIs, it was quite normal to have things like osteoarthritis in the joints. It was quite normal to have disc degeneration. And that these things in you know, our bodies are just as natural and normal as having gray hairs or wrinkles. They're just things that happen over the course of time. So most people, you know, by the time they've reached 30, will have some you know, minor abnormalities. Um, And he refers to them as normal abnormalities in the fact that they're there, they're present. But in, a, I think, a study that was done with a thousand people who weren't in pain, when they were put in an MRI machine and their scans were analyzed, 30% of them should have been in need of operations to cure the pain. So he just saw that something was wrong and that despite the way that, you know, people are were taught and are still being taught to analyze the MRI scans, that um, it was what he calls a spurious correlation, and that it was possible for there to be another cause. And when he, you know, studying the way that pain is caused in the body, it's a signal from the brain to a body part. And if we have an injury, it's a two-way dialogue. The the signal is there to help us, to make us stop, pause, rest, recover, whatever we need, rather than, you know, carrying on and injuring ourselves more. But not only do you see that people, you know, had these misdiagnoses through faulty interpretation of scans, but he also saw people who were in incredible pain, who had near perfect looking MRIs. So I'd been in the position of having kind of both one where there was like we've scanned it there's no reason for your pain there's nothing we can do for you and I'm just left like not knowing what to do and then the other one which is well this is the reason for your pain you know no operation can fix it but you know here you go take some painkillers off you go to deal with it 
And it was, uh, it was a very a, a point of real hopelessness when that happened. And fortunately, after, not long after, on a um, fibromyalgia recovery forum, somebody just posted a link to this book called Healing Back Pain um, by Dr. Sarno. And I watched this really ancient clip from like back in maybe the early 80s of uh, like a, an old program called 2020. Uh, oh, that's did- with Barbara Walters. Yes. Just to back up a little bit, because we've already started talking about Dr. Sarno's book. So in case people are are, are a little off track, this is a, a, a book that's changed Kelly's life. And that was pretty much the only resource she had at the time, what she found. And it was by accident that she saw this, this link to this crazy video, which you'd sent to me and I'm going to have in the show notes. And I started watching it. I was like, oh my gosh, Barbara Walters, 2020. And here's Dr. Sarno. And what did, what happened after you saw that video? And what was that video about? Well, it explains his work and his theory on the causes of chronic pain and, and many other kind of um, connected kind of what calls mind body um, illnesses like headaches, uh, irritable bowel syndrome list goes on um and it just explains his theory that uh it's caused by a harmless muscle tension uh caused by you know the brain not switching off the pain pathways and that he'd noticed this correlation between the types of people who seem to suffer from it all were very diligent you know conscientious people pleasers you know people who uh were quite self-critical, perfectionistic, striving, you know, it's something which can affect a lot of successful people and a lot of athletes too, because tend to push yourself and demand a a high level of perfection from, from oneself. So that sets people up to hold a lot of tension in their bodies. So what seemed like, uh, it was caused by something going terribly wrong with the body, that the body was failing, actually was just learning to know that you're safe, that there's actually nothing dangerous being indicated by the pain. And once you can not feel like you're in peril because something terribly wrong has happened to your body, that something's broken, once you realize you're not broken, you start to relax and think, oh, okay, maybe I'm not broken after all. Maybe uh, it's just some really terrible muscle tension that's happening in my body that I can learn to switch off with my brain. So you read the book yourself, didn't you? Yes, I did. What's your takeaway? So this book, I think everyone should read, and it really blew my mind. I, I didn't think of pain that way, but at the same time, I totally got it because in my gerontology studies, we actually had a course on the mind-body connection. And this is a research-based university, University of Southern California. It's really now prestigious. So it's not like, you know, some woo-woo stuff. This is real. So when I read it, I thought, this is incredible. Why isn't everybody talking about it? Why doesn't the doctor tell you these things? And it was funny because I don't have back pain, but um, our friend, our mutual friend said, just read it anyways. It applies to everything. And so I read it. And and oddly enough, I was on, this was in December, I had a a, a spasm in my back, like this like, side, the my right side of my back. And I was like, what in the world? Like, it's like you know, the spasms, like you like literally yeah. cannot move. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, like perfect timing to read this book. <laughs> and absolutely it makes sense because it explains on a neurological level that we have these pain pain pathways, we have pain receptors and and they are activated and they are preparing you for defense and they're trying to protect you, right? Your body, if you feel, if you touch heat, right? You're going to move your hand away, otherwise you'd be burned. So thank God we have pain, pain receptors and our brain understanding. Yet what I took away from it is that it just goes into overdrive when you, when you have, so for some people, some people not. And so when I understood that you could literally reprogram the brain, that is a, that just blew my mind. And it takes me back to, uh, just last December. And I went, I, I got fed up and I said, I'm going to go to the doctor, see where I am right now. 
Uh, every doctor tells me I need hip, hip replacements and I keep ignoring it. And this one said the same thing. And she said, you know, it's very interesting because you're, I've seen people with much worse uh, than you situation and they have no pain. And I said, why is that? And she just said, I don't know. And I just threw my hands up. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to take a deeper dive and finding out what in the world. And that, and, and I'd already read the book. Yeah, I think I, I think I had already read the book or maybe I'm not, I don't remember if I read the book or not yet, but at the point I just, I said, there's gotta be another way. So that book, and I understood, and I started listening to, you also recommended an app called Curable and they have a, a podcast and, and a lot of people talk about this book. I think this Dr. Sarno was a pioneer in this field. And now there's a lot of information out there and all the resources that we're going to talk about, but it seems as though a lot of people read his book and some people, even after reading the book, their pain completely went away because oh, it's yeah. that awareness. And I already noticed like 50% decrease in pain after reading the book because I realized, oh my gosh, my, I know that when I take this movement, I'm going to have pain. So you obviously prepare for it. Your brain has, like you said to me earlier, like it's a few milliseconds and it understands that and it prepares itself and it's just trying to protect you. So. Once you understand that, I think a lot of people's pain already, maybe it doesn't go away completely, but already, I think knowing this, and even just after listening to this podcast, you may already be relieved of, of some pain because you understand that it's, it's just a, it's a neural pathway that needs to be reprogrammed and you will be free. And, and I personally think is after I read that book, I said, there's so many people who have surgeries and, and it's not, it's not going to resolve the problem. It doesn't no. always resolve. I mean, sometimes it does. So I don't want to poo-poo it. And there's a time and place for that. But I think a lot of people get surgeries unnecessarily. And then, like you mentioned uh, in the book, people go back to Dr. Sarno or people who practice what he does and say, you know, the surgery didn't work. Now what? And that's, that's really debilitating. So that's what I thought of the book. And I'm so glad you shared it to me. And then we had a lot of, of other resources this episode is sponsored by Oxford HealthSpan, the creators of my favorite supplement, Primadine. I admit it, I am a total supplement junkie, but if I had to choose only one, it would be this one. And it's because Primadine is spermidine, and this is shown to activate autophagy, which is super important. Now, this is a cellular cleanup and recycling process that declines as we age. So as we get older, our cells accumulate a lot of junk and waste, which isn't good for our cells, our health, nor our longevity. So we need to clean it up. And if you want the research on this, go to OxfordHealthSpan.com and you can see all of it, showing how spermidine supports our brain, our hormones, and our heart health. And another great side effect is stronger hair, skin, and nails, but also longer eyelashes. But, you know, the real important reason why I love Primadine is because I have never, ever received as much feedback on a product I recommended as I have with Primadine. Literally every week, someone reaches out to me on Facebook or Instagram with an amazing testimonial. And... Most of the time, it's about improved sleep. And even some of you told me it's reversed a bit of your gray hair too. So I find that totally amazing. So I can honestly say with 100% certainty that Primadine is the best spermidine supplement you'll ever find. And you can try it with a 15% discount by using the code Zora, Z-O-R-A, on OxfordHealthSpan.com. Just be sure to get back to me with your results too. Now enjoy the show. At the time, you didn't have many resources. And I, at least when you first spoke to me. And once you read this book, how did you apply to the, the practices? What did you do exactly in order to relieve your pain? And how, how, did, how long did that take? Okay, so at the point that I discovered the Dr. Sarno book, I was in pain all day, every day. I couldn't walk to the end of the street. Just getting up, taking a shower, putting on pajamas was exhausting for me. I would have to go back after an eight hour, nine hour sleep. I'd have a shower, put on new pajamas, then have to literally crash out for another hour. I was totally exhausted. Like I couldn't like 
like flying my husband have to wheel me through the airport and you know in a wheelchair I was just in a hopeless situation and then I read the Dr Sano book and it was like everything I'd been led to believe about what was wrong with me and how pain is created was not true and I felt this feeling of hopefulness and I started to well first of all I read the book and then I read the book again uh, because uh, there's a lot to unpack about the science and the data that he had collected because you need to understand the science of it you need to know that his pioneering ideas are now being proved by the latest you know studies by fmri machines by the world's top neuroscientists so at the time this wasn't around i just had the book so i could just trust that dr sano was right at this time i had nothing to lose because my life had become so limited to like my bed and the sofa that was it and so i just would walk in the street outside my house and I would just say, I'm putting all my trust in you, Dr. Sano, that this pain is a red herring. The pain is just being a switch in my head. I need to switch it off. And I just started to move and walk. And before I knew it, I was walking further and further. And then I decided one day that I'd like to try riding a bike. And like, I literally got about 100 meters and I was like, like, I felt nauseous because I, I the lactic acid, I'd not moved that much in years. It was, it was just insane. And slowly but surely, I taught my brain that it didn't need to be sending me the pain anymore, that it could switch it off, that it was safe, that it just made a mistake. It was protecting me, overprotecting me. And that by moving my body, and talking to myself in a very reassuring manner, I learned to switch off the pain. I'm just sorry to interrupt. I'm just trying to visualize how you're doing this. Are you talking to yourself internally in your mind? Are you writing on a piece of paper? Are you saying things out loud? And do you notice any differences with those different modalities? The, the movement part of it is essential. You have to start just moving slowly, an amount that you feel safe with I mean some people may just have a mild amount of pain it might be for them well you know tomorrow I'm going to go out and go for a you know half an hour run and I'm going to talk to myself and tell myself like this is safe I can do this but for for me in the very worst of you know most dire situations where everything had hurt so much and for so many years I had to take a very slow and gentle approach to uh, just teaching my brain that it was safe to move. And there was this internal dialogue and, you know, the pain would start moving from my lower back to my knee and then it would be in the foot and I'd be like, no, I'm not going to pay attention to you. This is fine. I am not in danger. You can stop sending the signals. So I had to switch off this kind of physical phobia that I developed of just being so afraid to move my body because it would start triggering pains everywhere but then another part of the work which I think is so fundamental to recovery is learning how to actually process your emotions properly so that is your everyday life the emotions that come up during that and also from your past history so there's two types of journaling that are highly recommended um, where you do, uh, you know, talk about your closest relationships. So the process of writing it down, like taking, you know, 20 minutes in the morning, maybe 20 minutes in the evening, if you can, is to, to write about your day, what's been happening, who you spoke to, your interactions. Was there anything that you would like to say to somebody, but perhaps were too afraid to, or, you know, were too polite to? It really brought to me the necessity for speaking up for myself and saying what I needed in life and having stronger boundaries with family members who could be quite demanding and draining and for me I had emotions obviously I felt like I was I was not a, a rock you know, a stone by any means, but I was very much somebody who thought, okay, yes, I'm feeling this, but I don't have time for feeling that right now. I'm just going to park that and move on. Or, you know, from doing yoga and, you know, getting a bit more kind of 
interested in kind of spirituality over the years, you know, in, in my kind of late 20s and early 30s, it was very much about forgiving people and moving on. And I think I'd, I'd learned to intellectually forgive people. But perhaps over the years, I'd had a lot of emotions that I just pushed down because I was too busy, or I didn't want to face it, or I felt too afraid to speak up about things. And I just pushed them down and pushed them down and pushed them down. And that this was a big reason for so much physical tightness and tension in my body. And by unleashing all of these pent up emotions, suddenly it was like I'd gone from being emotionally constipated to <laughs> feeling like, well, you know, that wonderful ring feeling after, you know, you've been constipated in the normal way. Yeah. Just, I just felt a lightness to my body, my shoulders relaxed. And, you know, sometimes there were tears and, you know, you start writing, you just don't know how much stuff that you're keeping inside. Yeah. But it was so freeing. And I think that's, you know, a big part of the reason that I got free of pain and remain free of pain, even like six years after. Amazing. I, I think this is incredible that you were able to just write something down or process information. And I think a lot of women are in this case. Uh, some people know how to set boundaries. Some people are just not people pleasers, right? I'm a recovering people pleaser. That makes perfect sense to me. I'm always working on that. And uh, I mean, I, I, part of me likes to be pleasing to people and please, but it's not about that. It's it's about not ignoring your own feelings or emotions, I guess, for, for somebody else. And that's the real hard work that needs to be done. And we talk a lot about this, in fact, in our energy the menopause energy reboot program, which is going on right now is to understand what you want, what you need and who you are. And a lot of that stuff gets pushed down, especially as uh, women who have, who are having children or you have a family life and you put everybody else first yeah, and yourself last. So it's not unusual that a lot of pain may be coming from that. Maybe not, but I mean, this is just really to bring awareness yeah, it, it creates a lot of internal frustration. And yeah. as women, we're brought up to believe that, you know, it's it's very nice to, to care for others, to put others first. I realized that I'd been doing that for so long that I'd ended up putting myself last always. And I didn't realize the unconscious resentment that was building up inside of me. And um, somebody taught me a great expression, which is, self first is not selfish. And mm. I had to keep reminding myself as I took time to, you know, investigate hobbies and, you know, sorry, I don't have time to help you with what you need or talk to you on the phone for an hour because I'm going to be doing this for myself. And I felt very guilty at first, uh, but I realized that I needed it. It was utterly vital to my recovery to stop, you know, doing the accounts for my mum's business, you know, <laughs> and volunteer, I'd almost volunteer myself to help other people. But I didn't realize that I needed to actually help myself and find out what did I need? How could I help myself and not feel guilty about it? This is a big point you're, you're bringing up because we live in a society very often that says give to others, do well for others. And I'm not saying that's bad, but it's hard to do that and ignore yourself. And I think you said that a lot of this stuff was subconscious. You're doing things, but you have subconscious anger and resentment that we, we really don't even realize. And that's where it really can baffle you when somebody does tell you this and you're like, no, I enjoy doing this stuff. I'm, I've been brought up. What are we told as little girls? Be a good girl. Don't cry. Put on a smile right? We like good girls. We like good people. We like, you know, so we're raised in this thing to keep our mouths shut and be good and behave. And, and again, there's, you know, it's not like saying tell kids to go run around everywhere, but I think there's a balance. And I think there's probably it just, we need to be aware of how, how powerful our words are. Or, and of course your parents probably had good intentions, right? But then we take this, we internalize it, we become this and we suppress these emotions. And we think, we don't just the crazy things that you're not even aware of this and subconscious. Yeah, 100%. I, you know, I really didn't. I thought 
that this was the way that I should be. You know, my parents' relationship was very much my mum being of service to my dad, the supporting actor, you know, to his, you know, starring role in the relationship. And I think a lot of people of our generation have kind of grown up in this dynamic of seeing, you know, the woman as the more, you know, kind of secondary player. And so we are a bit kind of, you know, not only putting partners' needs before our own, but then motherhood. I mean, that's the biggest thing for any woman, isn't it, where they have to subjugate their own needs. And it's a pleasure up to a point, but I think some of us can take it to extremes or those expectations on us are for us to be fulfilling everybody's needs and our own to be last. And in a busy world now where there's so much to do, our own needs can just be left to the bottom of the list and never get met. And I think a lot of women suffer with that. And probably a lot of men now who are participating so much more in childcare, they have full-time careers, they, you know, they like cooking and they're helping their wives. It's a much more, you know, equal society now than in our parents' era. Um, so there are a lot of men too who are having to subjugate their own needs just because life gets so busy. That's the key. It's life is busy. We need to sometimes stop and slow down and understand what our body is trying to tell us, right? Because I really believe if there's pain, your body is talking to you. It's trying to tell you something. And and that's where I think you got from, from this book. Hey, I'm butting in for a quick second. If you enjoy the content brought to you in this podcast, consider supporting Hack My Age by becoming a patron on patreon.com. This is where you can drop a tip or become a member for the price of a coffee. Members get special material, free coaching, and private Zoom calls. Join us by going to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Hack My Age. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to the podcast. So I want to go a little bit more into how you put things these into practice and you you shared a little bit with us, but how long did it take before you felt there was progress, uh, maybe a little bit progress and then final progress? And when were you convinced that, okay, you're totally free? Okay. So you've talked about uh, the Dr. Sano book and some people read it and they are cured. And this is quite a, you know, this happens to a fair number of people. It's called the book cure. But for most people, it takes time. And for me, I was in a very extreme situation. And I'd say that I started within the first couple of days and weeks to feel a noticeable lessening of the pain. But really, I had to regain total confidence in my body. And that took probably a couple of years. If I'm really honest, I'd say probably it took me around two years to feel like I could run jump like going in a car over a cobblestone road like you know <laughs> this was I was going to be fine and I was so used to bracing myself and holding myself because everything hurt but suddenly it was like I just you know I just had to learn to be able to freely move my body in any direction and I actually started like probably about 10 years too late to the to the craze but Zumba which Near you, having to move your arms and legs, and I'm not the most coordinated of person. So the fact that I couldn't be thinking about, or oh, will this hurt me? Because you're having to keep up with everybody else and go in the right direction, forward, back, <laughs> arm here, leg there. But it really broke me out of this. Oh, is it safe to move? Can I, you know, kind of feeling to so just feeling completely, you know, free to move my limbs in any which way that I wanted at any time. And that really started uh, me on a pathway to kind of really seeing what I was capable and erasing any fears that I had. So I would start to feel much better. Occasionally, there would be a bit of a flare up. And I'd be like, oh, no, the pain has come back. What's happening? What's going on? But like you say, uh, our emotions are signposts to what's going on. Well, our symptoms are actually signposts to what emotions we're holding in our body so if I had a flare-up out would come the journal I'd be like right what's going on how are my relation my closest relationships with people what's what conversations have I had recently is there something that I wish I'd said that I didn't say is there something that I'm not doing for myself that I've let slip you know am I not indulging in my hobbies or my passions and 
you know, lo and behold, the pain would be resolved within a day or two after the journaling. And I would just keep journaling. Sometimes in the middle of the night, I'd get like a shooting pain in my leg. And I'd be like, oh, my God, what's happening? What's going on? And I'd have to get up, get up the journal and write. I noticed, started to notice a pattern, which was every Sunday I would go for a bike ride. Every Saturday night, I would get this shooting pain in my leg. <laughs> and then I would just start to be like, okay, legs, I know you're afraid that getting on the bike might be tricky, but you've done this every week and you're going to be fine. And I would just talk to the legs. Like, Come <laughs> on, legs. You don't need to be protecting me. We love cycling. Like, and eventually it just went away. But, you know, every, Every, you know, few months, there would be a flare up. I think, oh, no, what now? What do I need to get back out of the journal? Talk to my body. Like, what's going on? Tell me. Like, there's nothing I'm afraid to face. Like, you don't have to repress these feelings. Like, and just sit there. And instead of trying to, like, meditate my way out of pain by not thinking about the pain, I'd actually kind of, it's almost like focusing on the pain and asking it, like, what is it you're trying to tell me? What? emotion do I need to feel or what need do I need to meet in order to to you know feel better and sometimes I just have to ask the question and ask the question and maybe the next day I think oh you know what it's that that's what I need to talk about it sounds a bit crazy but my body was trying to communicate with me and I've learned how to listen to it and not be afraid when it sends me a pain signal. Now I'm like, huh, okay, what is it I need to what is it I need to focus on? Like it's actually a friend, not an enemy. So I never thought I'd say it, but sometimes, you know, I'm thankful for the pain. This is amazing. It's you are your own therapist, your own cheerleader for your own body. It's it's literally sounds like that. And understanding almost like they're two different parts, right? You're you're using your brain to talk to the body and they're obviously super connected. So I love this technique. I think we need to talk a little bit uh, about the resources you gave me because very much everything that you've said so far is in this app called Curable. I, I wish um, I, you know, I, I had them as a sponsor in the podcast or something. I think I need to reach out because they're incredible. And they, it's actually an app. It's, there's a free section and then there's a paid section. And it actually is like the little cheerleader, just like you're talking about. And there's a little uh, avatar there cheering you on and bringing you resources. It, there's there's um, the brain training and understanding the neuroscience behind this. Then there's the writing skills. And then there's a meditation part. And, and it really goes through. And you didn't have this app at, uh, when you were recovering yourself, but I think. Now that we have it, I really encourage a lot of people to go through it. Did you use the app before or you were just recommended it to me? Uh, no, I hadn't, but I uh, had heard really good things about it. And the podcast that's associated with it, uh, Like Mind, Like Body, they have some really great recovery stories. And uh, a big part of my confidence in recovering was listening to other people's recovery stories and at the time there were just a few on like youtube and there were some written uh the back of a book that i had called i think the key to healing chronic pain the key to healing it's in the i gave you in the resources and it would be like once a day i would listen to a recovery story of somebody and on the steve Zanich wall of victory there are some really nice recovery stories so I'd absorbed all the information about the, you know, the way the medical model is outdated. It's, you know, giving people faulty diagnosis. And I'd, you know, read as much as I could at the time. There are only a limited number of books. But then putting into practice, it was like hearing other people's recovery stories and how they'd got through it. It was so essential for giving me the courage and the belief to move my body when I'd been told by well-meaning doctors who'd been trained with the knowledge that was available at the time. You know, people who I respected and trusted had told me that I'd never be out of pain. And I had to suddenly think that they were all wrong 
and this one doctor in New York had written a book and that he was right. And so by having these other people tell their stories, like their personal stories of how they'd cured their pain, gave me the confidence that it would work for me too. And it did. So I'm so delighted now to hear other people's recovery stories. It's still so sad to me that this isn't more well known, but the people behind the Curable app, I think it's all part of the Psychophysiological Pain Disorders Association, which is a charitable organization based in the US. And they actually uh, give lectures to doctors and medical students now to spread the updated science on chronic pain and how to cure it so it's a wonderful organization really out there doing great work to spread the the most up-to-date knowledge they have your story hopefully will inspire others just like you were inspired by hearing the other stories and that's why i really wanted you to come on here we the book we talked about was healing back pain by dr sarno the like mind like body podcast listen to that there is the um, the Curable app, C-U-R-A-B-L-E, Curable app. You can download that. There's another book you recommended called Chronic Pain, Your Key to Recovery by Georgie Oldfield and The Way Out by Alan Gordon. And I'm going to have those in, in the, the show notes. Also sent me a very interesting podcast with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. That was one of the first things I, I listened to. And it really, I think anyone who's listening to my podcast and likes the biohacking and likes the science. This is a really great podcast to inspire you to understand really what's happening in the, in the brain. And there's the YouTube videos you mentioned, um, Healing Chronic Pain by Jim Prusak. There's the TMS Healing Wall of Victory you just mentioned. Uh, you sent me a testimonial. And, but he's got a whole other, um, uh, lots of, lots of videos. I haven't even gone through them yet. Is that the same? Is that the the TMS whisperer, Steve Osnich. Yeah, Steve Osnich. Yeah, he wrote a, a, a brilliant uh, a book called The Great Pain Deception. It's very, very long, uh, but he shared his own personal story of discovering Dr. Sano's work. And when he talked about how he would like put on his running shoes and like run around the block, literally, this is the woman who couldn't walk to the end of her street. And I was so inspired after like, reading it. I went out and I tried to run <laughs> just because it was so inspiring to me that he'd done that. His like perseverance, like even when the pain was present, he would go and he would move his body. It was like just amazing to me. So there I was, I could hardly walk, but I was like, no, I'm going to run. <laughs> This is, this is, you know, how you take your first steps, especially if it's, you've been in real, you know, dire situation like you have, and that is where you, you, you just get started. And I'm going to have all of these resources in the show notes. There's also a documentary with Dr. Howard Schubiner, and he, I think his website is unlearning pain and I'm trying to get him on the podcast. So we're, we're working on that. He is an absolutely incredible man. I bought his book and I had a few emails with him. And I actually, he was one of the people that I emailed to thank, you know, a few years into my recovery, just to say, you know, without you and the, you know, the books you've written and the videos you've done, you know, it wouldn't have been possible. And he wrote me a very lovely email back just saying, make sure that you pay it forward. Now you're recovered. And wherever I would go in the boot of my car, I'd have a couple of copies of Healing Back Pain because... So often you meet people and they've got pain. And I've given out probably like a dozen, maybe two dozen of the books now. And I've seen it work for other people. And if I can help somebody with their pain, you know, with their recovery, appoint them in the direction of this work, it's not only worked for me, but I've seen firsthand like the book cure happen to other people and or helped, you know, friends of friends guide them through like journaling and what they need to do and seen like incredible recovery stories. So I really hope for some of your listeners out there that that's really struggling with ongoing pain that uh, this might help them too. Oh, you're a star. I'm so grateful to everything you've shared and your story and all the resources. And before we go, we have here Esther. 
Esther is our mutual friend. Hi, Esther. <laughs> Hello. And I want to ask Esther, because now we're at the end of the podcast, and I'd love for you to unmute and, and say a thank you to connecting us. And you knew Kelly. I, I mean, I didn't have much interaction with her, but you knew Kelly when she was in the trenches, literally. And what, what do you have to say about where she, which, where she was and where, where she is right now? I have known Kelly for quite a few years. How many, Kelly? Oh, at least 10. At the very least. And before, I remember uh, never knowing if when we agreed to meet up, you were going to show up um, because, you know, you always had the pain to deal with. And I remember vividly once that you couldn't get into your car because you couldn't turn your neck. I remember that. Yeah. It broke my heart, obviously, because, you know, somebody so young, so beautiful, <laughs> so full of life, really, and seeing her paralyzed, almost paralyzed, it was mm -hmm. shocking. And, and then all of this transpires with um, her um, amazing recovery. And it's, it's almost like if I hadn't seen it, I would have thought, nah, not believe it, you know, but I've seen it. And uh, when I see her on her bike <laughs> going up and, the, and the half marathons, unbelievable. And I'm so proud of her. And I'm so happy that she's managed to break through. Thank you, Esther. That's so lovely. <laughs> yeah, I'm so grateful. So before we go, is there any last words you'd like to share for a woman who's listening to this podcast because mostly women going through menopause? Um, I think that even if you're not suffering from, you know, pain or headaches or, you know, the symptoms that I've talked about, quite often the mind-body connection, you know, applies to other symptoms. So as much as perhaps in our menopause, we have all of these symptoms that all start flying around and we, you know, we look towards our hormones being out of balance. Perhaps also there's a value to looking into whether our lives are out of balance and that journaling could just be a really great tool for all women to get in touch with how they truly feel and what they truly need in life and to start a plan to start giving themselves the things they need and making time for their passions. Great words. Thank you so much, Kelly. I hope you have a wonderful day and oh, hopefully too. we'll have you on again. Oh, well, I look forward to hearing your full recovery story one day soon. Thank you. Hey, did you enjoy the podcast? Don't forget to subscribe to be notified of all the new episodes and leave a review to help build the tribe. It's a small act of kindness that brings me big benefits and helps others find this amazing content. The best thing you can do is share. Sharing is caring. Statements made on this podcast have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Anything we say or products we mention are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information provided by this podcast is not a substitute for personal medical advice and not intended to replace a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from the personal research and experience of me and my guests.